Hello, guys. Welcome to the 17th edition of the Strongman Winners Circle podcast uh, with my co-host, Andy Furman. And today we have our special guest of Zach McCarley, an OG legend. Uh, for you guys that don't know Zach, he was a national champion um, at 105 kilo back in 2010. He won America's Strongest Man three years in a row from 2011 to 2013. Um, he was World's Strongest Man 90 kilo um, in 2015. Um, wrestling All-American in 2015 as well. He has a chemistry and he's a master's in chemistry. He's the OG legend. He is Zach McCarley. Zach, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. And I just want to hop in on here and say hello, everyone. Uh, co-host Anthony Furman here. You might be listening to this on Spotify or Apple now, which is very new. So we just recently, uh, Nicholas here, worked really hard to get all that after you. So thank you, everyone, for listening on these new mediums. And if you're not, go to Spotify or Apple and subscribe to us. That is true. Big announcement. Sorry, that was a big deal. I had to get it in there. <laughs> anyway, Zach, I don't want to take away from your thunder here. So most people, it's tw- it's 2020, right? So you've been a long, hit, illustrious history in the sport, but you've been out for a few years. And I know you're making a comeback with a lot of your educational assets, aka your mind, right? That's what you're trying to help with. Mm-hmm. Now, people most recently know you from the Record Breakers, Class Record Breakers on ESPN. <laughs> now, I know, for example, I did not expect you to zerter that axle. <laughs> so let's let's start with what the people know let's talk about that and then we're going to go back a little bit and, sh- and kind of int- reintroduce you to everyone absolutely absolutely okay <clears throat> well uh yeah let's 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 start there i suppose well, I, I guess you want to know why i did it that way or why well, I, so that's, that, I mean that's my main question i know i know nicholas the uh the current axel world record holder has some questions uh yeah. but i really want to know because that blew my mind i did not expect it you know yeah, my so my main justification for doing that was I ruptured my bicep uh, last July, which, you know, at this time of recording, was that 10 months ago? Um, yes. Something, yes. Of, something of that nature. And uh, I was really concerned to re-damage it. And uh, so that, that was a technique that I kind of, uh, I came up with probably two or three weeks after I ruptured my bicep originally. And I decided that I would no longer utilize the mid air switch from mixed grip to double overhand, Mm -hmm. which is something that uh, I feel like I was the first very popular person to use that. And the first person to kind of popularize that move Mm -hmm. at the time, people were bringing it to their stomach with a mixed grip. And then once it was contacting the torso, they would switch the hand swiftly Yep. But I, I just switched it in the air. Um, and that was actually taken from Robbie Walden, who was another even lighter guy with a arguably more impressive axle clean and press than I ever had. Uh, I believe he was an 80 kilo guy. And I think he got up into the 330s. Wow. Uh, that's, a, that's impressive. Like 330s or 340s. And uh, he was just a local guy to the Northwest. But I, I was exposed to so many excellent lifters that I just shut up and listened (laughs) and I I took I you know I took what I could and uh you know I'm really yeah I'm I'm just a product of my environment just like anyone and I really feel that strongly so people like Grant Higa and Pete Markov and all those guys in the northwest um amazing training partners Tyler and you know those are the people that made me my family my friends so but but the Zercher, um, yeah, it was new. I uh, <laughs> I, w- I honestly wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it, but I do 
you know, in training, I had cleaned 425 several times. And uh, I, I knew that it was possible, but, you know, you got to put it together on the day of. And I just flat, yeah. flat out. Didn't. So I saw you in the warmups on the other axle. You hit, you hit very easy close to what your opener was. It, it was really smooth. Um, and I think that's a testament to that, that specific axle we use for this world record is probably one of the toughest implements out there. It's definitely, I mean, like it, it speaks very highly to uh can be lifting, you know, four or 17 on that actual, like it's a uh, event mean, of the weekend. He did that too. Yeah. Yeah. That in my, I've lifted on a lot of axles. Okay. <laughs> and, and damn, that is the hardest axle I have ever lifted period. Like oh, it, it felt great. Yeah. It felt great. Um, the funny part was it felt, it's so stable that when it came off the ground, it's uh mm-hmm. it felt lighter than usual but then when i went to transition it was just like terrible and and there were a couple of complicating factors as far as me but i think if i could have if i could go back and do it again i would probably just try to double overhand straight to the torso to get the inertia kind of spinning up my torso yeah um but again you know i stuck with the technique that i was planning on and i Which that's I what you have to do no, i mean i don't think yeah, anyone falls you for that so yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've been following the kind of like your youtube and your training we met originally back in denison 2013 so i knew mm-hmm. you already had like a big zerkshire so i thought it, it made sense to go i think what you zerkshire in the mid 500s for reps right uh, out of the out of iraq so i thought it would be like that's that would be like kind of cake um in terms of getting that zerkshire up and then kind of being able to reposition so the quick question i have when you we originally kind of tore your bicep. Was it, did you, did it tear on the flip back? So you, you started with a reverse grip, went to mix it and then did it tear then? Or was it, um, what was like the, what was like the final blow last year? Um, so I actually, uh, I was doing an axle clean and press at 365 and I passed the hip and I just came a little bit too high. And I think that, I think I just kind of, I curled my arm wrong um, when I passed through the hips and I stuck with the pull a little bit too long before transitioning my hand. And when I passed, I would say, uh, you know, when I passed about my, uh, about my belt line, I definitely felt it just like completely go. It felt like, it felt like three piano string strings snapping in my arm. And then it felt like Velcro, kind of it sounded like velcro in my ear and then when it completely came off it sounded like cellophane stretching Um, and it was it was really interesting because like i've never had an i've never had an injury like that i've had some like gruesome injuries but not like that and uh it was it happened and i like put it down and i I have a video i'm not sure if i i think i posted it but i i like the owner of the gym taylor clark over ellensburg crossfit uh he was like sitting there watching or he was standing there watching and I walked over and I was like, Hey man, uh, I think I tore my bicep. Oh. <laughs> He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Everyone's reaction to bicep tears is so different. I've noticed like mine, I did mine on a pull-up and mine was twigs. It sounded like twigs, twigs snapping to me. Um, mm. And mine, mine was like pretty painful, but like I kept trying to use it. Like I, I wouldn't, oh. I wouldn't accept, I, like I tried to that. I finished the rest of the training session. Like I refused to accept that it was torn. I kept trying, <laughs> I was about to go for a world record block press. So I was like pretty focused. And then I've yeah. seen people where it tears and they, they cripple with pain. So it's like, I don't know. Bicep tears are so random. It seems like there's no mm-hmm. real rhyme or reason yeah. to them. 
to to interject in the story, Johnny Waz called you. I was like, that's stuff. He's like, that's definitely torn. You're like, no, no. Johnny, Johnny did. Johnny has like half, half bicep, so you might have seen a, a bicep. I explained before. what it was, and Johnny's like, it's torn. I was like, nah, it's not torn, Johnny. Uh, you're, I was like, fuck you. But a, a quick, <laughs> since we're of course all about education as well, a quick uh, bit about um, if you know if you, if you have bicep tear or not. Um, Michael Connor kind of told me this, especially when he went through his bicep tear last year, is doing a hook test. So yep. almost like bending the arm and like. And when you bend the arm, you get into the kind of the crease of your you elbow. And yeah. Right, right in there and dig it. And you can grab the tendon actually. Like if it's there, you can feel it. So you'll, you'll know if you really tore your bicep because um, I've, I've had some kind of close calls. It's really more my brachialis and my forearm. But the uh, yeah. first thing I thought I was like, oh, was it my, was it actually my, my oh, bicep? It's my time finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Still waiting, knock on wood. But yeah, my back is fun enough. Um, but yeah. I was gonna, I was going to mention actually I tell a lot of people about that hook, uh, that uh, hook test because that's the exact thing that I was instructed to do uh, when I called up my old chiropractor Dr. Bridgman and I was like hey man I think it's one bicep like take a look at this like you know Zoom called him or whatever it was at the time I think it was on Messenger and. He's like, that looks torn. He's like, okay, let's do a hook test. Like do your good arm first. And he's like, you know, bend your arm at 90 degrees and then dig your, you know, dig your thumb underneath the, uh, you know, the medial portion of the elbow and then lift and feel that bicep tendon. And he's like, you feel it? I'm like, yeah, I feel it. And then he's like, okay, do you do your left arm, which is the one that was torn. And I was like, it was the weirdest thing. So just feeling for it and it's just like mush it's just it's flat. crazy how that the difference yeah and i was like okay well uh i don't feel anything in there <laughs> my biceps like my soul there's nothing left yeah it's <laughs> the darkest said, of voids <laughs> but but for the most part you've, you've throughout your throughout your career you've been you stayed pretty injury free from any major surgery mm, any yeah that was my first surgery um I've had a lot That's of impressive. Soft yeah, I've had a lot of soft tissue injuries. Um, you know, like I, uh, I ones I still truthfully suffer to to this day. Um, in in high school wrestling, I like destroyed my left ankle, and it still gives my left knee and left hip problems because my it, it's never been perfectly right. But I just I've always managed with it. And then um, in 2012, I really damaged my some connective tissue and my dorsal sacral ligament, um, which is what holds your sacrum in place at the Arnold and uh, had to withdraw from that contest. That one was like, it really changed my mentality on strongman. Um, at that time, I don't, I don't know if I'm jumping into this too soon, but like, no, no, no perfect. free flowing, free flowing. Okay, sweet. Uh, yeah. At, at that time I was like super hardcore. Um, I was like, I will die for this. You know, like I was like, this we were all the there at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and after that, it was kind of like, well, man, like I want to, you know, eventually I want to have kids and like, man, I would be really upset if I could not play with them. You know, I would be really upset if I couldn't wrestle with them. Like wrestling has been a passion of my life as well. And there's, there's a lot of things that I enjoy doing, but uh, just like being so laid up for such a long time in such a terrible way. Uh, it, 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 it was very eye-opening for me that that was the worst injury of my life for sure. And it's still my, my L3, L4 junction is still a little bit feeble. And, um, 
I, I work with it. You know what I mean? But as, as we all have to, cause you only get one body, but it's, it's something that like really was troubling for me for a while. Wow. Interesting. Um, but we should, we should get to the, get to the top. So um, yeah, like, like let's do a little the, rewind here back the, to Zach. The, or, the, the origin story. So yeah, t- yeah. So tell us when you started strongman and like how you got into it, like who got you into the sport? Oh man. Okay. This is a wild story. All right, man. There's a 20, there's a 20 name limit name drop for this. Oh dude. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to have to get out a piece of paper. I'm like, <laughs> prioritize. <laughs> yeah. Cause okay. So, uh, so how did I get into strongman? Uh, it was the, so I actually wrestled on scholarship for one year after high school and uh, the summer after high school, I was, you know, I just got done with the workout. I was sitting on the couch, you know, eating Cheetos or whatever the hell I was doing. And uh, I was flipping through the channels and I saw like on ESPN, there was strongman. I was like, man, ah, oh, this is really cool. And I was like, I was watching them do the log press and I remember it was like Marius and like a bunch of those guys in that era, like about 06. And I was like, man, you know, that's, that's not a lot more than I do. You know, like they're starting with a 240 log, like I can overhead 240 and they went up to like 360 or something like that. And I was like, which is, I mean, the whole nother topic. I mean, man, <laughs> Strongman in that era was like comparatively so light, but but I was I was looking. We're finishing at our log medley for the regionals at three sixty for the one hundred five this year, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> exactly, and our and the medley starts heavier than the world's strongest man medley was at that time. Crazy! That same wow. Log. <clears throat> so, it yeah, I was I was watching. I was like, man, I could do that. And like next event came up, and they're like doing a seven hundred pound yoke, and I'm like man, I could do that too. Like, and like stones came up and I'm like, you know, in the wrestling room, I was, I always wrestled with heavyweights. So I was picking up 275 pound guys. And like at the time there were only two stones or two or three stones that were heavier than that. And they're stones, not humans. And humans are like really wriggly. Like they don't like, it. <laughs> and, the, and like, and st- the, you know, the third event came on and instead of saying like, I could do that. I was like, why don't I do that? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. And so, uh, you know, not so, to date what, myself. So, wait, so what year is this? Oh, six. Oh, six. <clears throat> right. And so not to date myself too much. Um, you know, like I, I, I didn't even have a car at the time. Um, so I rode my bicycle to the local uh, public library to access the dial up internet. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I uh, hopped on the internet, like started looking about like things for strongman, like strongman contests and blah, blah. And like a strongman contest in Washington state. And, all these things and North American strongman came up and I started looking through their contest list. And there were two events in the next year that were on the West coast period. One of them was in California. The other one was Corvallis, Oregon. And I lived a good like seven hours away, six or seven hours away from Corvallis, Oregon. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. And I looked up the entry thing and you know, Grant Higa is a promoter and I'm like, okay, cool. Grant Higa. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to call this guy. And I called him I'm like, Hey, my name's Zach. I'm 18. I'm curious in your contest. And I wanted to come out and compete. I just wanted to see what I needed to do to come out and compete. Uh, so, you know, I live in Maple Valley, Washington, blah, blah, blah. Like ran it down a little bit for him. And then I was like, my number is this. 
please give me a call back. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And he called me back the next day and he's like, he's like, he says big Hawaiian. He's like, bro, did you say you live in Maple Valley, Washington? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's where I live. That's he's a like, good grant. that's a good grant. Like, bro, that's where I live. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And he lived like a mile and a half away from me. And uh, so that was like uh, some kind of strange divine intervention because he was like, I was like, I was going to show up. I was just going to show up. And, you know, I'm, that's kind of how I am. And when I want to do something, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Like both feet in the deep end go. And he's like, you should come out and train. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, okay. So like, he told me this place to go to. And like, you know, it was this, we were training in a warehouse. Like he was great friends with this, uh, this guy, that was managing a warehouse and his name was Marv. Um, but they stored the equipment at the warehouse. And then on Saturday mornings before the, before the shift change, we could train. So we started training at 6 AM on Saturdays and we had to be out by like eight or nine. And so, you know, he's like, we're going to meet up at this place, you know, in the middle of an industrial district in Renton, Washington, which is one of the largest industrial districts in the United States. It's like the middle of nowhere, only sodium lights, no residential, no human beings around there on a Saturday morning at 6 a.m. So I, I drove out there. I was 15 minutes early. There is no one and it's dark and there's just like a buzzing sodium light. And then there's <laughs> just like a huge chain of cars that drives up. And I'm like, oh, man, there's like a caravan of people and they all drove up. And they all hop out and they're all carrying bags and it's dark and it's, you know, I'm like, okay, like these, these must be the guys. So I hopped out and I went up and I'm like, you know, I went up to the front and I was like, Hey, I'm here for the lifting. And the people at the front were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then like Marv strolled by and I was like, Hey, I'm here for the uh, strongman stuff with lifting stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah. Just like go straight, straight out there. You'll see them. And I like walked back there and, something I failed to mention at this point was like, I always have food on me and I always had food on me because like, <laughs> I think wrestling gave me some kind of like disorder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. Yeah. But I had like a dozen egg cooked eggs and like half a loaf of bread. And like, I had this food with me because I was like, I don't know how long we're going to be here and I got to eat. And so I'm like carrying my training bag and the food and I walk back there and they're like, you know, they're all just warming up. They're like, what the hell is this kid doing? You know, <laughs> hey, you're 18, just kind of like walking into a random industrial complex. Yeah, and uh, you know, showed up, started introducing myself, and you know, I hadn't met Grant Higa yet. You know what I mean? He showed yeah. up a little bit later. Um, so I'm like introducing myself, and these people are like, "Who the hell is this person?" Like, none of them knew that I was coming, but I'm just some random dude uh, with a plate of eggs and a bunch of bread, and. Yeah, so I introduced myself, you know, we get along great. It was pretty awesome. My first training day, like, showed a ton of potential. I did, like, a, like a five or 600-pound Zercher, um, or, sorry, Conan's wheel. I was going to say, your first time, 18, just lifting. Here's 600-pound Zercher. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I loaded a 330 stone. Um, my pressing was trash. I could barely do a 190 log for one, and it was ugly. Man, when I was 18, I could barely bench 170. Yeah. My farmers was always really good. I did a 274 on one and a half inch handles that were somewhat slick for like 40 feet. Um, but I, I showed a lot of potential. And I think that 
that was one of the factors but another factor was just so many amazing people in that room that were willing to take me under their wing there was grant higa who's you you know who grant higa is but for the people that don't like you guys introduced me as an og he is an og to me yeah so he's he's like an og's og like and he's a you know he's an extremely kind guy and totally took me under his wing totally mentored me um people like pete markov same thing he's an og's og like he taught me how to load stones you know he taught josh hatfield how to load stones he taught andrew palmer how to load stones it's funny the people he teaches how to load stones yeah i was gonna say that's a theme here good yeah they're always like (laughs) super good at loading stones yeah wow yeah and uh you know, there was a national champion in the room, Scott. Uh, I want to say his name was Scott Hughes. It's been so long since I thought of these some of the people. And Steve Spellman was a really good lightweight as well. Your recollection is pretty good, though. I'll give you some credit, man. You are you. You remember yeah. what farmers what you used? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I mean, yeah, I, I remember very well. And yeah, they were ninety-four pound handles, and I had two plates on each side, and two seventy-four hand. And I, I remember really well. My also, for all our teenage was, listeners, just real quick. In 2006, yes, you could find a guy's number on the internet and call them and it'd be okay. Now, in 2022, I don't want any of you <laughs> looking people's phone numbers up and calling them and meeting them at an industrial warehouse at 6 a.m. We don't do that anymore. Not Just want to make it clear out there for everyone. Not advised. <laughs> <laughs> so, so of course, this is so. This is all in 2016. So, how long did, did you wait until 2006? Hop- oh, sorry, 2006. <laughs> when did you hop into your first uh, contest? How, how long? Uh, did less you- than a month later. Cool. Yeah, I, I got one training session in and they're like, <clears throat> I was like, okay, let's go, you know, because um, I wasn't even going to train. I was just going to show up to the contest and like, you know, I didn't have any expectation of being able to try these events before I did them. So yeah, um, I was like, I'm just going to do it. So <clears throat> one training session went to the work, like went there. I actually, it's so funny, like I roomed with Pete Markov and we just like hung out and ate a bunch of food the night before. It should be noted that at the time events were less common. Uh, it was, st- it was a pro-am system, um, which people that have been in the sport long enough, they know that it was pro-am and then it went to a pro card system and then it went back to like a weird pro-am and then the weight classes shifted. And then there was like platinum plus in there somewhere the- there's been a couple iterations. Yeah of you know the the, the structure and he's talking about strawman corps or national it was national um it was nas back then north american strawman yeah. and strawman corps that's that was their systems totally yeah, yeah yeah and uh what i didn't know and what i wouldn't have cared about anyway was this was one of the nation's highest level shows and <laughs> i was just walking into a bloodbath <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I showed up and the next lightest person was about 70 pounds heavier than me. And, uh, you know, this was considered a very heavy show at the time, which by, you know, things changed by today's yeah, standards. Yeah. Like I would have murdered this thing. Um, but I remember, you know, I remember showing up and being like, so like, where, where's weigh-ins? Like what's going on? And they're like, no, no weigh-ins. This is the heavyweight room I am. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, people fly in from all over the nation to compete in this contest. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, where are they? And they're like, huge. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm like an 18 year old. that's like 200 pounds, you know, lean and strong, but like not comparable. And uh, so I, 
yeah, I, I compete and I take 11th out of 13, which is pretty good in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Given, given the circumstances, but uh, I think it was pretty important that I'm just saying I'm getting an audio thing. Google. Hey, Google. Stop. Hey, Google, fuck off. Quit listening to me. Damn, bro. Leave me alone. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so 11th out of 13, not bad. Um, but I think that it was necessary for me to select a show that was going to kick my ass because I don't like getting my ass kicked. Yeah. And it, it like, I, I definitely have that gritty characteristic of if I'm great at something to begin with, then I just have a little bit less drive for some reason. Like one of the reasons that I stuck with wrestling was I, I remember my junior year in high school, I wrestled a, someone who went on to be a two-time state champion, four-time finalist. Wow. And he just kicked my ass every day, just every day. And uh, it made me want to be so much better, you know? Yeah. And I think that the same thing happened with Strongman. If I would have came in and just murdered it, then I would have been like, cool, this isn't that hard. Okay, and like next thing, like I enjoy challenge. So the, the point you brought up, you said when you when you got there, um, you thought it was like a small contest. You get there and then all of a sudden you hear people are flying in from across the country to compete with you. And, you, and so that resonated with me because I, I think everybody, when they first begin sport, they experience that right there when they get to that level. Uh, for me, it was it was actually MMA. Um, I had a fight scheduled uh, way, way back. I was eight, I was eight, 19 years old, I think. Um, and I was got to I got to the venue and they're like, hey, this guy flew all the way from San Diego to fucking Tennessee to fight. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, wait, he flew across the country to fight me? I was like, uh-oh. And I got inside my own head. It scared the shit out of me because I knew I wouldn't do that. I, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't confident in my skills yet to fly somewhere. So I was like, oh, they brought in a ringer. He he, he did whip my ass a little bit, but, you know. So I just, I mean, that just resonated with me. That's that almost, it's almost awe when you're at the stage and you're like, wow, this is high level. People are flying here for this. It's a big deal. So, so yeah. how did you follow up that show after that? Uh, well, I went straight into a season of college wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, got a couple smaller back injuries, went to the, um, NJCAA nationals. Um, and it was ugh, my showing at nationals was trash. Actually, I was really uh, rather upset with it because I, in the finals of the region, <clears throat> I very, like I lost by one point to the person who went on to be a national, the national champion. And I knew like I, I messed up is the only reason that that happened. And then I went to nationals and just like, Oh, and two just yeah. out, out immediately. And I was so disappointed in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that being said, like, you know, I went, I went through a full season. I battled a couple smaller injuries and truthfully, there were a lot of realizations for me because wrestling in high school was a family and it was, uh, you know, like, my family structure has always been uh, not the ideal one, uh, but it's the one that I've been given. And that's, yeah. you know, can't choose your family. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I love my family, but um, there were a lot of things that wrestling fulfilled in me that I really needed as a human being that I didn't have. And so it was, it was like, it was very much like a family atmosphere in high school. You guys keep and saying family. Vin Diesel's got to come into this podcast. Yeah. We, we, yeah we said it way too much already. We don't need, we don't need that smoke. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, but but that to say that like Vin Diesel, I'm sorry, <laughs> man. I'm Can't gonna my head here and I'll come back as Vin Diesel. It'll be great. Somebody say fam- you talk about family. <laughs> Toretto loves family. Yeah. So, uh, 
So anyway, when you get to college wrestling, you find out that it's much more like a business. Mm. And it's like, you're yeah. there to, you're there to win period, you know? And if you're not winning, um, then they want to like get rid of you. That's and yeah. That's most called sports. Yeah. It's it's, it goes quickly from high school to business. Yeah. And, uh, I wasn't ready for that. Nobody told me it would be that way. And yeah. I had to learn that for myself and I became very bitter towards my coaches. Why I only wrestled for one season. Um, because by the end of it, I was just, uh, there were a lot of terrible things that he did. Like he would, one of our wrestlers got down or like he, he'd get down by like three points and he'd be on bottom and he'd be like, stand up, stand up. And he'd be like, block the, you know, block the handout. And then he would literally just get frustrated, like kick a leg up, reach over to his bag, pull out a book and start reading a book and like, stop coaching. Like he, he was like, I, I fucking hated him. And I, you know, the people that know me know that I don't say that often, but God, I hated that guy. Um, so I hate him too. Now I couldn't, I couldn't continue to be in the same room as him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, one season of college wrestling came back, uh, started training some strongman cause I really enjoyed that. Did one smaller contest or sorry, I did Fresno in 2007, uh-huh. had a really good showing. Um, I was the only teen in the lightweight division. I placed upper middle pack in a, another pro-am. There were pros there and I was competing against them and a bunch of guys from Arizona at the time and uh Dion was there and she was really impressed and she was like wait you're only you're only 19 and I was like yeah and she's like well I'm I'm gonna give you an invitation to nationals uh teen nationals and I was like okay you know (laughs) like I like I just met this person okay cool and uh you know flying out I was talking to Grant Higa about it because he was there. And Grant was like, bro, you got to do the team national. <laughs> and funny enough, um, I, I might be mixing up where I was, but I remember it was also Brian Shaw that was convincing me at the time. He, it was Brian Shaw and Grant Higa that were both like, dude, you got to do team nationals. And I was like, okay. Now, now you got to do Brian Shaw's impression, how he told you. I, well, I can't even remember it, honestly. <laughs> I can't. You know what? Yo, I see what you're doing here. Yeah, but I'm super uh, excited and super excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you're not. You're not going to. I'm not doing mine. It's inappropriate. <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, they basically both convinced me to do team nationals. Wow. Okay, okay, I'll do it. And I did a tune-up contest before that, which was the week before. Won that contest. Went to team nationals. I was. I competed. I actually weighed in under 200, and they were like, "Cool, you're doing lightweight team nationals." And I said, "No, I want to do." I want to do heavyweight. And they're like, well, you're like 198 pounds. And I was like, okay, can I reweigh in? And they're like, yeah. And so I grabbed like a gallon of water and weighed it on the scale with a gallon of water, put me over 200. He's like, okay, cool. You're heavyweight. And I was like, okay, cool. And I went and competed and there was this, there were a couple of really strong people there, but I wound up winning that. And uh, that, that was the moment that I was like, Oh, I could be really good at this, you know. Um, and there it is, listeners yeah. of uh, Winter Circle Podcast. There's that moment we talk about all the time. There's there's always that moment where you realize believe in your yourself. You, yep, you realize your potential. And for him, it was very early. That was three. That was three contests in. Yeah, impressive. <clears throat> very impressive. Oh, no, four. It was four technically. Four. All right. Um, so, I mean, you're within your first year, year and a half of the sport. That's that's pretty. That's pretty incredible, actually. 
Yeah, first first calendar year. Definitely. Yeah, and it wasn't. I you know it was like that calendar year also had, um, you know, six or eight months of wrestling in it. So, no, but uh, yeah, let, let, let's let's fast forward to your your first uh, pro show. It would probably have been in the 20, 2011, maybe ASM. Who who yeah. were the guys you were competing with back then? I imagine probably like Johnny and Aaron West, Justin Blake. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. that's the ones I, I remember, but you go ahead. Great memory. <clears throat> yeah. Justin, Justin Blake was the guy to beat. He was, I'm pretty sure the two time returning champion at the time, nobody had won three like ever. And I was like, I want to be the first person to do that. Um, but I showed up and I was, I was, you know, the guys were super cool, but it was also, it was like, damn, these guys are strong. <laughs> yeah that's a big jump from 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 amateur to that the asm your first time that jump it's it's yeah. it's humbling yeah oh i mean like i think i think the year that really shaped me i mean like we have to go back a little bit for the year that shaped me it was uh oh nine to ten and i i went to nationals in oh nine and it was in lafayette louisiana and i uh you know, I was doing good in the contest and I wound up taking second by one or two points. If my memory serves me right to Doug Madewell. And I was so upset. (laughs) I was like, I was emotionally destroyed and distraught after that. And it made me train so hard the next year that I kind of knew that I was unstoppable. Um, I just like, I was like, that was when I started to develop that mentality. I think of like, I'll die before I, you know, don't get what I want. Yeah, out of fuck, me. you're motivating me right now, Zach. Hold on, let me get, go train. <laughs> and well, and and so in 2010, that's when I, you and I shared this in common, and we uh, we shared this story in person. But like, that's when I showed up in the full suit. Like I, yeah. I did all of my travel in a full suit, and like when people would ask me, I was like, this is a business trip. Yeah, man, like I'm, guys, I'm just coming here to do business. Like we're going to nationals, but this is the Zach McCarley show. People are competing for second. I love it. <laughs> I love it. We, yeah, we talked about that in person. I did the same thing. Uh, it's my first world mm-hmm. jam. I dress real nice. Everyone's in their sweats, sucking, <laughs> and I'm just walking there like I own the place. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a mind fuck. Yeah, and uh, but that year, that that year shaped me, and then it carried through for the rest of my career. Honestly, because <clears throat> fast forward one 2010. Fast forward to 2011, it was the same mentality for me, honestly. Like, I showed up, and I was just like, I want it more than these people. I worked harder than these people. I've sacrificed more than these people. These people do not deserve this. I'm the only one here that deserves this, and I'm going to get it. All right, like, man. I said, I, I said it a little bit ago, but you got to chill because I'm getting motivated right now. It's been a while <laughs> since I've been motivated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you every day. I'm, I'm going to decide to come back and compete. Just You'll be my hype man every day, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a story, Zach. Tell me about, tell me how to feel. Yeah. I got to get out to nationals. I'll be the, I'll be the hype man in the corner, you know? Yeah. <laughs> don't, you know, not, you don't want to go to national. It's, it's in my hometown, Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> or you can come to New Hampshire for USS nationals and tell all 600 competitors your story. So they can yeah, get on the mic and just tell you, tell the story the whole time they're competing. Yeah. Well, I could, I mean, I could, I could just keep talking. There's so many stories. <laughs> yeah. so, so, of course, so you, you had that big win in 2011, of course, 2012, 2013. So you went in a slew of uh, of wins. So get to that three ASM wins, which was the most uh, wins at the time. Uh, talk us through 
what were the differences and the similarities and the wins? Like, what was your mentality going into? Like, you talked a little bit about your mentality, but if you can kind of really talk about what the perseverance was to win those titles. Yeah, I really, I really just wanted three. Um, <clears throat> my heart was set on that number, and I thought that, like, as soon as I won the first one, I, I always focus on the next step. I don't usually focus on like, oh, like what's the next step after that one? And like five steps ahead and 10 steps ahead. I'm usually like next step yeah. um, kind of probably comes from wrestling, which is like, you know, you go to league, you wrestle to get to regionals. You go to regionals, you wrestle to get to state. You go to state. The only name of the game is advance. Yeah. Match at a time. And so I, I think that that really shaped my mentality for it. And it's the same thing. Um, for me, it was like the next contest. And when it comes to contests, for me, it's always the next event. Like, it's just the next event. Oh, yeah. With a little bit of exceptions. Like, if there's a heavy deadlift for repetitions, I'm going to save a little bit for, like, the stones at the end, if there's stones, blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> and my mentality for the first one, I explained that. My mentality for the second ASM win was really, like... If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. Okay, like you got to win. Cool. Other people have done that to this point, but nobody's won two in a row. At least I, it's possible Justin Blake did, but I thought someone won between his two wins. And uh, I was, I, to me, it was like, this is a prove it. Like anybody can get a fluke, prove it. And uh, so I went there and I was like, I have to prove this. And uh, I won again. I uh, really quickly, because I, I had Sean one time on the podcast, Dave Mahalov won in 2009, Justin Blake won 2008 and 2010. Yeah, see, see, I thought that there was one year where it was separated. Yeah. And so I think that that was my motivating factor at the time was like, nobody's won back to back to this point. Man, and I tell you, I, I'm just going to interject and finger real quick. This is so cool for me. I'm sure a lot of people listening. So for, to me, this 2010, 2011 to like 2017, 2018, I would say 2017, basically told before I got in the sport to me, that's like the golden era of 105, like ASM, like that, that span from like 11 to 16, I would say. Um, for me personally, that's like when I look back at it, you know, here like golden age of pirates, golden age of like comics. It's the same thing to me. That's what I look at it as. So I'm fangering a little bit still. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, continue. Um, uh, you always flatter me. Flattery, <laughs> flattery will get you everywhere. 
at least with me. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so at that point, nobody had won two in a row. And to me, it was a prove it situation. It was a like, you know, you won, you won your pro card, you won na- pro nationals the first time you showed up. Now really prove it. Like everybody at this level is really good. It's about consistency. It's a smaller field. A single small mistake doesn't punish you as much as a larger field at an amateur nationals. Mm-hmm. You just have to be good. And so, you know, last time, make make sure that you prove that this wasn't a fluke. Prove it. And so that that was my mentality going into that one. And then the third one was just like uh, show up. And I honestly just felt like uh, I felt like I was ready. I felt like I was just like. I'm going to put an exclamation mark on this. Nobody's even gone this far, but I'm going to just kill this thing. And uh, that that's what I, that's kind of what I did. Like yeah. <laughs> I showed up, I got the three peat. Like I was the first person to ever three peat. And I, I'm, sh- did Sean three peat after me? Sean, Sean went uh, 2014, 2015, 2016, got hurt 2017 and then 2018. Got 2018. So he did three, yeah. so he did three peat, but he, he says in his, in podcast, he went for four. His number in his head was for four because you got three. So yeah, he, you, drove, you he drove them to four. You did. You did this to Sean. <laughs> well, he always, <laughs> he always pushed me. I mean, like, so it's funny. Like Anthony and I have talked about this, but it's really funny how the sport just builds on itself. Cause I do, there is like a spot in my mind. Um, two people, actually, my old training partner, Tyler Scott, like really, really pushed me. He and I, pushed each other to such extremes. It was incredible. I mean, we would, we would, and it was always skill work too. We would do yokes at like 700 pounds, but we would be running 110, 115 feet and like, you know, yeah, like 12 seconds. Like, and it, it would be like, we'd be timing it and it'd be like, ah, I got 13.1. And then like, you know, Oh, next week, like, Oh, I got 12.9. Like, you know, and we would just be so competitive. And I think it's the same thing at the pro level with those guys is like, I looked at Justin Blake and uh, professionally, he was the person that I was like comparing myself to. Yeah. And then Sean DeMarinas, like I'm the person he was comparing himself to. And it always builds, it always builds on itself. But like Sean definitely pushed me really hard. Like it should be said that from a consistency standpoint, he is probably the, the most decorated lightweight and not like, but also the most ASM wins, but like he took, I want to say he took second two times. I, I think he was a two-time finalist yeah. before he, before. Yeah. He Which yeah. means he was, he was in the top two for and, over five years, over half a decade in a pro sport. Mm-hmm. So Very true. To, yeah. to name other two-time finalists, you have Anthony Furman, who's also in this podcast and also Rob Kearney was a two-time finalist to Sean mm. to Sean so being a oh, two-time fuck I am a two-time damn it so those are all <laughs> but and again that's all that's good company because they all went on and went other big major titles so yeah. yeah yeah I mean if you could take second if you could podium ASM you got a bright future in the sport dude absolutely yeah, yeah. it means that you're at the top it and is honestly it it means like to me that means odds are you need to work on the skill of competition yeah 
That's it's, very not that, it's very seldom that you've been outclassed totally. It's that you need to work on the skill of competition. And that's what happened to me after my first, uh, my first second place to, to James Deffenbaugh when he took first ASM and his tiebreaker. I just, I, I was strong as a, uh, as a gorilla in the jungle, right? Like it's just ooh, 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 strength. That's what I had. And then I had to actually work at the skills to, to get to that next level. <laughs> it's, it's very true. It's very true. Nick, you could, Nick could back me up here. <laughs> Well, Anthony, Anthony just the, the fundamentals was, was super strong. It just the, re, the, the redefining. Because I got I got so good so quick. I didn't really do any like spe- specified skill work. I just kept getting strong and and just mm. yeah. But you also didn't like necessarily like peak for certain shows. So like for instance, Anthony would can always be was always really good set up to like jump into any show. Uh, that's how I model. Yeah, that's how I model my that training was, plan. Yeah, that was his his, his, uh, his um. Yeah, his background. But um, so this is more of a curious question. And now since I put the since we've been talking, I've been putting the piece together. So it looked like you, of course, went back to school. Um, You were wrestling um, and you won your you won to become a um, All-American wrestling, which is not an easy feat. Personally, I know because I was personally a college wrestler as well. But in the same year that you won your 90 kilo World Strongest Man title, walk us through that year How when you're wrestling and competing in Strongman. Oh, man. Okay. There's just like, <laughs> we're going to have to do multiple podcasts because I just have too many stories, but this, this is also a great story. Here we go. Hope you're ready. Break out the popcorn. Uh, so in 2014, I walked away from the sport. <clears throat> I was like, I'm going to focus on, it, it was the time at which I had gone into grad school and, for chemistry and I was... I was like, I need to walk away from the sport. Like, I feel like I've accomplished everything that I could have wanted to. I really wanted to go to get an invitation to the world championships, but it just never worked out for me. Um, it, I mean, like, not, you know. But you never got an invite. You never got an invite to the world championship? Uh-uh. Nope. It's interesting because nope. Sean and Johnny went to uh, the Ukraine in 2013. And that, that was like, uh, that was a Giants Live competition. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if they did a contest that they got recognized and you, I don't know if you were at the same one. I, it well, might've been that I might've been injured in that time. Maybe, uh, maybe I handed that off, but I, more sense that, yeah, that, that might've been what happened. Probably because, because then Sean would have been the next guy and then Johnny's always available. So yeah. <laughs> Johnny is the definition of gas station ready, <laughs> but I not, not to be like these whippersnappers today, like the, <laughs> the availability of international competition now is like so much higher. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I won, I won several ASMs and, um, I think that I, I do, I'm pretty sure that I did get an invitation to that Ukraine contest. Um, I don't know if it was a world championship or not, but that was the only, like, that was the only potential world championship that I was invited to in the whole time. And I was a little bit vexed about it. I was definitely upset because I had very clearly stated on several occasions that I wanted to compete for a world championship. And that was the only thing left on my list. And in 2014, I said, this isn't going to pay the bills. It's not going to support a family. And I really want a family. And I am going to walk away from the sport and focus on my professional life, focus on developing a, uh, a career and, now, so really, quick, walk really quick, how old were you when you said that? Um, what was that? Eight. So I guess that was like eight years after high school. 26. So 26. That's very mature of you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that when I was 26. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
I so I, I walked away and it was hard because like the thing that I missed about it so much was the community and the friends yeah. and because the people that you competed with at the time and I, I I don't know if it's the same now with the pros it probably is but like that's like it's also kind of like your family hey I'm Vin Diesel man I'm the fuzzy Vin Diesel and <laughs> it's kind of like that it depends it depends on uh the social media mood of the day yeah and uh but yeah I know I, I was very I was a little bit soured that I never got to go to a world championship but that was really the only thing and I just like that was one of the few dreams that I ever really gave up I, I gave it up I said I'm 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 done like I have to sacrifice this I walked away focused on grad school like a bunch of life shit happened and uh then I saw that there's a world championship in uh in Norway and somebody tagged me at my this was probably Brandon McDonald he always tags me <laughs> I love that I love that guy <laughs> yeah and uh oh, and Brandon. He, yeah he tagged me in this I'm pretty sure he was the one that tagged me and I I like I was like okay what he tagged me in this time like I always check and uh and it's like you know Norway world championships and I was like you know I said something back like uh he's like you should do this and I was like yeah I would but you know sports forgotten me (laughs) like it's a quick turnover time (laughs) and that's fine I'm okay with that and the promoter hopped on he's like are you interested and I'm like in going to a world championship and he's like, yeah. And it was, it was, I want to say it was 10 weeks out. And I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, you're invited. I'm like, okay, I'll go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what you got to do. You got to take opportunities. Yeah. Did you do 90 yeah. kilos because you were wrestling like 197 at the time? Because I no. So I did, I did. So earlier in that year, um, I had been wrestling, but after that, I was actually training to be going to weightlifting. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was training to go into weightlifting because I found that I thought that weightlifting would be a good uh, sport to address my physical weaknesses and imbalances because I've always had like imbalanced quads. My posterior chain's always been overdeveloped. My, uh, my, like quads have always been slightly underdeveloped, even though I have pretty great looking legs. Like, just, my, my quads have always been kind of weak and so comparatively. And so that's what I chose to do. And I was getting ready to do 94 kilo. Um, so I was dieting down. I was already at like 210 or whatever. And, you know, I got invited for 105. I was like, yeah. And then like after two or three weeks of training, I was like, Hey, could I do like 90 instead? <laughs> <laughs> Cause I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Like, honestly, it's a, it's a tall order to be like, Hey, yeah. you have nine weeks of training from this point, get ready to like do the thing that you really wanted to do. And you only get one shot at it. Yeah. And I was like, I, can I go 90? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, sweet. So, so I trained hard, like dieted a little bit um, and went there. And then the first day there was a field of 30 for three events. And I took first, first and first. And then uh, on the events, and then in day two, which was the finals, the top 10 move on, 10 or 12, um, there were five events. And I took first on the Axel Max, which is a world record at the time. And they wouldn't, there's like small stories about that, but like they wouldn't really let me set it as high as I wanted it. As soon as I broke it, they would only let me take the 
180 all the way up to 400. And yeah. I was just like, I was close, but I couldn't make that jump. Couldn't make a 40 pound jump and make yeah. that lift work at that percentage for me at the time. But um, so I, I won the axle. I won the medley. Like I, I took first, 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 second, and first in the five events. And so I almost took first in every single event. And I was really pleased with that. Um, I wish I could have got first in every event. (laughs) But honestly, I think that I had my best performance of my entire career, not just at that contest as a whole, but in one of the events, the arm over arm, I think that I literally had a flawless arm over arm truck pull. I, I, I like dissected it. I think it's the best performance I've ever had of any event in my entire career. And like watching it, I'm just like, yes, I get fucking pumped every time. That's awesome. Because <laughs> arm of arm truck pull is, of course, you could have all the brute strength, but the timing of the pulls and the rhythm yeah. and the drive. Right yeah. here, I could never, I could, my whole career, I could never figure out how to pull a truck. <laughs> it was the bane of my existence. Hey, well, that's, that's okay. Cause that's like uh, several events. Yeah, I don't got to do that shit ever again, so screw it. (laughs) (laughs) But that is a very cool story. But moving on, you mentioned a few times that you wrestled. I personally Mm -hmm. wrestled guys like Kevin Ferris, Terry Rady, Tyler Young. We're all wrestlers in high school and college at one point. I I wrestled high school. Anthony Furman was a wrestler. Uh, Do you think there's a positive correlation between wrestling and being successful in Strongman? I mean, there has to be, right? Like what you just said. <laughs> well, I think but, it, cre- it creates enough body dysmorphia and then mental, um, you hate yourself and it <laughs> ca- carries over very well. Like you learn to hate yourself because the coach hate you. It's, I mean, like there, there might be a little bit of that, honestly, but I, I think that the largest part of it for me is the mentality. Um, I definitely, I mean, like when I, you know, going back to that first national competition that I did, which was the team nationals, Uh, I remember I was there with my stepfather, Ray, and he, you know, he and I always give shit to each other. And he like looked over at like one of the big farm boys who was like 280. And he's like, oh man, like, look at him. He's pretty big, huh? Like he's, that's a big boy over there. You think you're going to take him? And I just like looked at him and I was like, that's all fluff. Like this this is, this is the real deal. Yeah. Like, you know, and uh, I think that wrestling kind of gave me that, kind of like you know you, i don't you, know if you were language, confident i don't know if our language is constrained but the real fuck you fight me mentality <laughs> you know I mean? yeah yeah no i mean it's 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 that it's that it's that kind of alpha mentality that elite athletes have mm-hmm. that's what that is mm-hmm. i was i was gonna go with more of the mechanics um i always thought because you're always looking watching technique right so you would watch technique in terms of like doing takedowns on the bottom on the top and then you have to replicate that so if you see that in strongman you see someone do it like can you personally... hey, did you like top or are you bottom or top guy uh i was great i was great <laughs> in all positions anthony the form recognition and then being able to have mind body connection but also the best wrestlers always, always had the best hips right so if you're able mm-hmm. to transfer that hip power into strongman i think that's where that's um, a good point yeah it was just being able even to football do- players like linebackers and linemen it's that it's that uh, that that quick hip that that hip power he's talking about that's a good point also i don't want to bring ben diesel back into it but there is something to say that in wrestling it's an individual sport but you are surrounded by brotherhood it's very close to strongman yeah yeah no i never even different weight classes yeah different weight classes it's very it is very similar cutting cutting weight community and how yeah it's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. 
And then, yeah. uh, oh, this, oh, go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, I feel, yeah, I feel like I had never considered the technical note, but I definitely know that the mentality and the, that kind of like, uh, not just the, like uh, the self-confidence, but the attack mentality on the events yeah. was something that was beneficial because, uh, you know, like <laughs> here's a little, like, uh, here's a little tip for all the people that are listening on it from a technical aspect or from a technical aspect of every event. A lot of times people just like wait for the go whistle and then they start lifting. Like you should tension the implement. And when, you know, you're like basically lifting it and when they say go, that's when you can move. It's not when you can start lifting. Yeah. So, so like, you know, it, like I learned that very quickly. Like I was, I was like, I was looking for every corner that I could cut because I was, I was taking it very seriously, you know? Um, and I think that that is something that one of the big things about wrestling for me that influenced the way that I competed. Yep. I like that. But yeah, just too many, too many things to list. Like (laughs) I I think, yes, wrestling has a positive correlation. Yes. (laughs) Short answer. Yes. (laughs) All right. Now, have you been in touch with Patrick Costelli? So for you guys that don't know Patrick, he was the cannon. What? The, the, Patrick the cannon? So he was great friends with Zach, uh, former 80 kilo mm-hmm. world champ, Arnold champ, dominated the 80 kilo scene a while before he moved to Australia, took up Olympic lifting and also mm-hmm. bobsledding. But he always said that he was going to make a comeback to strongman once Zach made a comeback to strongman. <laughs> so have you been in touch with the cannon? Uh, yes. Yeah. He and I, he and I have chatted a little bit. I, <clears throat> I do have to say he's a two-time world champion. Ooh, two-time. <laughs> two-time. Two-time. And uh, he, yeah, I, I honestly don't know if I'm returning to competition. Um, I know. You, you are. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to evaluate my, my physical health. Um, and right now I'm in week three of a training cycle. and uh, You can't be in worse physical health than Bob Schwantz. Bob Schwartz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, so like things have changed for his, for Zach McCarley. And I, I know, mean, I know. You're a boomer now. I get it. <laughs> yeah. And uh so we'll we'll see in like eight weeks how my body feels. But well, I can tell I you mean, that I'm very excited the possibility. I think I think it's magnificent for the sport. I think it's I think it's um almost like I think it's almost like a fitting like you can't write a better narrative Zach McCarley disgusted by the sport and lack of opportunities comes back to fulfill his destiny as a 105 world champion like (laughs) I do agree I do agree it's an amazing narrative and I would love to compete against Canvey because he's very skilled like very skilled. I tell you what man they're about very talented works hard as hell like, can't be screwed up by doing so fucking well last year because now he has like three people hot on his heels that weren't hot on his heels last year. Actually, that, really? that works me into my next question. So outside of Anthony, outside of myself, who are Zach's top five 105 kilo athletes in the next three years who you may be seeing at Clash or at, at a competition that's going to do really well? So who are Zach, Zach's prospects? And usually as like, a, of course, a great former competitor, you have a good eye or a good scout for talent. So what do you see? What's the scouting report on in the, for the future? Oh man. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that question. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> no one's, no one's ever ready. Yeah. Um, I honestly, uh, I hate, I hate to give any, uh, this is going to be the most boring answer and I apologize in advance, but like, I hate to give any kind of analysis without adequate 
research. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the field well enough right now. Um, people that were really impressive to me. I mean, all of the, yeah, let's go with that. Who was your top five most impressive that you saw clash? Yeah. Uh, I, I felt that there were a ton of really impressive guys in the finals. Um, uh, I'm not going to remember all the names. Uh, what, what was the guy from, I think he was from Ireland. Matthew McKeegan, the the juggernaut, the Irish juggernaut. Yeah. McKeegan was very impressive. Um, Cogden, how do you say his name? Just call him the slice. Mike, the slice. Cogden. Yeah. Mike, Mike is very impressive as well. I think that he has a ton of potential. Yeah. Um, I think that he could very well be in the mix for like the very top. Um, I, I concur. Yeah, he's a, and I find I I feel like maybe he's considered a little bit of a dark horse. I don't know. At this I point, know. I don't know how because he's been right. Well, it's because he hasn't got that that he, he won a, USS Nationals, but he doesn't have that real like that one win yet. You know what I mean? That's what or, it is. I or kind of like a yeah, a major podium, but he's yeah. he's right on the heels of everybody. He's, he's right there, and, and he's let's see, he's even beaten some of the guys that have placed ahead of him. So it's I think it's only a matter of time with Mr. Cogden. Yeah, once he gets that consistency nailed down and he can podium at the big shows, then he's going to be in the you know talk for one of the best in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, obviously uh, Isaac, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's right. all we get. <laughs> um, yeah, that, he, he was very impressive on that day. Um, yeah, he killed those finals. I don't know. I don't know who, if anyone could have done better in those finals than Isaac. He did very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Loy and Nelson both kind of stood out to me a little bit. Um, was was it I'll Jesse's think... um, strict press with the sear dumbbell? Yeah, is that what stood out? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jesse. I, they, um, yeah, not, I, I hate I hate things coming off the wrong way, but they seem like if they polished, if they were polished in the right ways, they could be really good. Um, O'Connor was really solid. I think he needs to put on a little bit of body fat, though. Just, <laughs> Ooh, don't tell Mike that. Yeah, <laughs> body, yeah bodybuilding background. And he's yeah. Yeah, one of the leanest. Yeah. yeah, one of the leanest people I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, maybe if only to save, uh, you know, if only to save our egos. <laughs> like, yeah. like, damn, bro, eat some Ben and Jerry's or some Hagen dolls or something. <laughs> I got to organize a 105 shirtless volleyball match as an intermission next time. <laughs> like that's what we'll shoot to in a, during commercial break. Yeah. Um, and there, something stood out about Tyler Young as well, but I just, I think that I really liked his personality as well. Um, yeah. he, he, he just, he seems like a really awesome guy. I would but say he's a hidden gem, but he's loud. So he's not hidden. Huh? As, I would say he's a hidden gem, but he's not, he's not, he's not quiet. So. He's not yeah. hidden. Yeah. Yeah. True. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, I, okay. yeah. Those are all good answers. I mean, those are some of the top guys. I think and all of them, all of them are a, a slip up away or a, a fine tune away from really pushing Camby for the, for any, anything. I think they're all, I think he has mm-hmm. right now. Camby has more competition at his level than I think any prior world champions had, you know, the next crop, I think, yeah. um, it's kind of ridiculous how many people are that good could be coming after him. <laughs> it's yeah. like, like Brian Shaw says, it's super exciting. <laughs> uh, so you met, you mentioned a little bit about it, but um, what does the future hold for you, Zach? You talked a little bit about this current program that you're on, but what does it, what does the future hold? Uh, well, I'm, 
I'm just doing some training right now, like fit, like physically lifting, um, getting my body kind of tuned in. I'm going to push my body a little bit harder on this training cycle than I have in the past. If my body does start to break down a little bit, I think I'm going to ease off and give my body an additional training cycle to uh, adapt to that kind of stimulus and see what happens. Because when I went back to event training, I mean, like, you know, 280 farmers was light. Um, like it felt so solid in my hands. Uh, you know, I only did a 630 yoke, but it felt pretty good. It felt a little shaky, but that's one of those events that for me, my, my ability to yield like, or sorry, wield the weight is diminished with time. And I haven't done that event for possibly years at this point. Um, but when I train it consistently, I can make 50 or even hundred pound jumps between training sessions. So 640 or whatever I was doing is actually a really good training, like a really good starting point next week. I could probably do 750 faster. Mm. Um, it's just the way my body adjusts, uh, you know, just like, yeah. Well, well, all that to plug, say, I guess I'm doing the class here. Feels really good. A lot of times our stuff is a little bit lighter. Um, because we do a yeah. lot faster base and midly base too. So, I mean, I'm, you know, you're not going to be doing, you shouldn't be doing 900 pound yokes of clash just because that's not the way our sport is. That's not the way the sport of clash is run. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a different I mean, sport. It's a different sport. I, I'm going to stay, I'm going to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. Well, that was something that I noticed when I was there and I don't mean to get away from the, I apologize for getting off topic, but like <laughs> clash was extremely interesting to me because it is absolutely a different sport. And I feel like that's something that, I mentioned to Anthony afterward was like, that was ran so fast and so smooth. It was like a giant strength exhibition mixed with strongman. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't like uh, what, I, you know, it wasn't anything that I was used to seeing, but I actually, it alleviated all of what, in my opinion, were the weaknesses of strongman, which is the people at the event usually had to wait a while. And with this one, it was just like action, 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 like constant, constant action. It was awesome. Like it was awesome to watch from a spectator point, like standpoint. Um, and I think that that's that kind of increase in palatability is going to increase the opportunity for the sport. And so, so what's next for me, <clears throat> getting back to the question, what's next for me? Um, you know, that's got, what I mentioned has got me excited. Clash has got me very excited. And if I can be an elite level athlete, then I would love to do that. And if I can't, then I would like to be a mentor for up and coming athletes. I would like to be someone who can help others with their uh, strategy and events or their technique, which is what I really love to do. And what I'm really damn good at is breaking down technical lifts and breaking down the technique of strongman events. And then uh, telling people how to adjust for their body type, telling people how to perform more effectively, telling people how to be efficient in those movements. Um, but where am I going to land? I don't honestly know. Uh, elite athlete, you know, coach, trainer, mentor, technical analyst, whatever it is, I want to be part of it because uh, it feels damn good to be back to the community and the people are just as cool as ever. And, uh, it, it's got a very bright future and I'm excited and I'm excited to be a part of it. So, so, so maybe in the future, there's a, there's a, there's a TV screen. They pan to Zach McCarley and you got your little markers like, well, here you see the footwork Dude, and he's in the circles and oh my God, I, would I was, <laughs> I was literally just thinking that I, it, listen, 
we'll talk Zach, but I think we can do that. I think we could bring you in a broadcast booth and do it just like they do the fucking NFL. Dude, I would love that. I would love that. I'd be like, Let me- okay, you can see his stone loading is, uh, you know, clearly a little bit out front of the body center. He's not rolling it up the body appropriately. For he has body the ability to, to draw. The draw. Yeah, yeah, the X's and O's. Like, yeah, you have to draw over it, circle it, like Madden used to do. He's going right here and boom. It's like, he got the Atlas stone up. All right. So, eventually, yeah, eventually, I just break down to the, well, you see what he needs to do here is load the stone more than the other person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the more long you do it, the more morose you get. Yeah. I don't care. All right. So, my last big question. Predictions for world strongest man for the heavyweights. You got any favorites? Hmm. Do we know the events yet? Um, in in the finals, there's there's like a knack deadlift, which is pretty much a regular deadlift with these weird boxes. They're like work boxes, but that's the sponsor. You have the behind the back press. You're going to have an Atlas stone run, which is from a distance, um, and then Anthony, help me up for the rest. Yeah, hold on. I'm, I'm looking them up real quick. All right. So, um, there's going to be a loading medley. I don't, I don't have these broken up by heats or anything, unfortunately. Well, actually, I think I do. There's a loading medley, a deadlift ladder, a car walk, a hold event. I think they're doing the front hold again. Mm-hmm. And then a log press for reps. And I think that's the heats. The heats. And then, and then, the, and then stone off for the, the final. Um, for that. And then the finals are the knack medley. So you got to carry a knack box. It's like a it's like a big like toolbox over the um, over the yoke, I think, or just I don't know somewhere. And then you yoke back, uh, deadlift for reps, the Flintstone lift. It could be a push press, push jerk, front or behind the neck. Uh, truck pull, power stairs, Atlas stones. So pretty. I mean, there's nothing too crazy. I would say like the the behind the neck thing is like a little bit of a wild card. Mm-hmm. But they're all pretty traditional events. So Zach McCarley, where where are your picks? <laughs> um, I think I don't I don't know if anybody uh, has been paying enough attention to Maxime, mm. but he's he's going to be in the mix, in my opinion. The only thing in the finals there's deadlift for reps. That's, I was going to say the deadlift, the static is the only thing that holds him back. It, it, and obviously it depends on what the preliminary lifts are, you know yeah. what I mean, to get in because you have to do well in that. Right. And if there's a heavy deadlift in that, then like, you know, yeah. I, I think that, I think Novikov and Maxime and uh, uh, what's the, is the Polish guy healthy right now? No, he's not competing. No. Okay. He's not competing. Yeah. I feel like, uh, and then Martins, I think, those, but probably in order, I think Novikov, Martins, and... Are you just saying Martins because you guys have a similar beard and hairstyle? <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody, well, actually, it was Pete Markov that pointed out Martins to me a couple of years ago. And he's like, he's like, there's that, like, he looks like a heavyweight version of you. And he like <laughs> moves very similar to you. And I was like... Uh, I was like, thank you for getting that right, Pete. Hey, other people, Zach would probably beat Martins in competition. Like huh? You, you beat him in competition before. Dennison. I did? He was at, he was a 265 pounder at Dennison, Texas. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, how the if, how the tables have turned. If you ever look, if, if you <laughs> yeah, guys I'll tell you, you Martins is, I think he's gonna win this year. He's looking dangerous. He looks he looks really good. Yeah. Um, I think I don't like I said, I think it's gonna be between Novikov and Martins with uh 
Maxime impressing a lot of people. Evan, Evan, Evan's. Uh, there's so many. It's my ridiculous. my dark I horse. Seen I, enough of Evan. I haven't seen enough of his lifting to really evaluate it very fairly. My darkest horse out of all of them is I think Adam Bishop is going to have his best year that he's had a world's strongest man. That's my, that's yeah. I think he's coming in with the most confidence. He dyed his hair. He's he's ready. So you don't dye your I hair. Feel like not, his, I feel ready. like it's his, it's a kind of his, he's throwing everything he has at this one. I, you yeah. know, I th- that's what I feel. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so the, the bishop is my dark horse. So um, if you guys haven't already, you can follow Zach on YouTube. He has an extensive channel that has a lot of good. I recommend content. you follow yeah, Zach you, on YouTube. You can follow him on Instagram. And where else can people follow find you? LinkedIn. Uh, I mean, I mean, like I'm on <laughs> I'm on Facebook, but very seldom. But like, I'm going to be a little bit more active on Instagram from here on out. I think, and when I get a couple things in order, and when I everything on my end kind of slows down because there's a lot of moving parts in my life right now. But when everything kind of slows down a little bit, I will be continuing the uh, basics of strongman series, which is a series on my YouTube channel where I speak about the very basics of getting into strongman. So you can think of it like an introductory to strongman course. And then my personal favorite, the strongman theory course, which is where I talk about getting better at the, at the skill of competition in strongman. So if someone wants to be competitive in the sport of strongman, that's where I bring up uh, basically everything that you'll need to know. And eventually I really want to, uh, you know, I really want to be working with other individuals to bring additional content forward. But I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Currently I have in the twenties of episodes scripted and it, wow. I think I have nine episodes or eight episodes of each released right now. So um, it's just a matter of, getting a whiteboard, getting a pen, like hunkering down and <laughs> filming them yeah. and, you know, then, then posting them. Cause I film them in one go. I don't, uh, I don't like the jump cuts. Like yeah. I, I'm, I like the natural feel of a, Hey, like you and me are speaking directly for yeah. 10 to 15 minutes. And these are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I, again, I love the theory that um, there's a skill to competing. You can be as strong as you want, but you have to apply that strength to a skill. So, yeah, I was. Ne- I, I think it needs to be said. Yeah. I was never, never, ever the strongest 231 in America. I was the best at showing up and competing. Yeah, <laughs> that's something to be said for that. For real, it's. I mean, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. But oh, all right, uh, Zach, do you, you got the last words. It's- and of course, all the links are going to be the bottom of the, of, of course, in the description. So you can, that's where you got to find Zach and his other links, but you got the last words. How do you want to finish this podcast? Uh, I want to thank you guys for inviting me on. I'm really excited to be back into the community and back a part of the community in a time where uh, it is so broadly known and people are excited about the sport again. And people are excited about the 231s because I've always felt that that was a, that was like this magical weight where strength and athleticism combined. And it was, these are the most impressive athletes in the world, in my opinion, I agree. Strength sports are concerned. And I, I'd said that for so long and it felt like very few people ever listened, uh, you know, until I show up to heavyweight contests and I'm like one point off from getting a pro card at two thirty, And it's like, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very grateful to be back. And, uh, I'm very grateful to be able to share 
information that I've acquired across the last 16 years on my YouTube channel and like get that out there for people. I feel like I had so many advantages that it's my duty to give that information to people so they can have those advantages as well. Because I, I feel like that's the only way that I can pay it back in, in any way, shape or form. The people that I was fortunate enough to meet and uh, the people that mentored me, Grant Higa and that whole crew, uh, they didn't expect anything out of me. They just, they wanted to share their passion. And that's what I am, that's what I'm about right now is sharing that passion with other people who want to help themselves. If you want to help yourself, then know that you have at least one person right here that wants to help you too. Okay. So you're not alone in that. Hell of a man, Zach. I'm a fan and I'm, I'm, I think I could speak for everybody. We're happy to have you back, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I but really, appreciate but you, you can also get, you can also get payback. Casey Garrison is coming, is, is competing in 105 kilo competition. So he if you is. want payback for Dennis in Texas for losing for one point, you know, yeah. where you find them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, okay. If I come back on, we'll tell that story. All right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but until next time, guys, stay strong.